Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Don't forget that you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org if you want to read any of these stories for yourself. Let's go to our first piece of the week, All of Us to Explore Social Determinants of Health. The All of Us Research Program announced that it would begin a new survey looking specifically at social determinants of health, which are basically the socioeconomic factors like housing, employment, and discrimination that research suggests account for one-third to one-half of our health outcomes as individuals. Social determinants of health are especially important for understanding the needs of populations such as LGBT folks who face stigma and unique barriers to social participation that impede health outcomes. All of us includes uh, questions about sexual orientation and gender identity, and they've done that from the start. Um, They've done a lot of outreach to LGBT communities um, in hopes of uh, improving the available data on our community's health. And so this new uh, survey that's being done on social determinants of health is really exciting because since those questions on on sexual orientation and gender identity are included, and since there's been a lot of outreach to um, LGBT communities, this could mean a a huge um, collection of new data uh, for us to consider in looking at LGBT health and how all of these underlying factors really contribute to our health, which I think really helps to push policy conversations around things like non-discrimination laws, Um, housing access, socioeconomic opportunity, and all of that. And of course, this data also includes looking at race and ethnicity. So we're going to be able to look at disparities within the LGBT community too. So very exciting. Um, They expect that the new social determinants of health data will be available for researchers to analyze and report on by mid-2022, which probably means by um, this time next year, we'll have some studies out about this. So definitely a really exciting development. And if you're interested in learning more, we're actually joining the program because the idea is that all of us, as the name implies, can join and participate and share information about our health so that we have this big database to look at, you can go to joinallofus.org. And next up, we have a related story, an update on NIH diversity efforts. NIH published an update on its efforts to increase the diversity of the scientific workforce, including addressing structural racism through the NIH Unite initiative. Other updates include creating a new diversity and inclusion position within the National Institute of Biomedical Imaging and Bioengineering, for which a candidate search is now underway. The director um, of that institute also mentioned the All of Us Research Program that we've just discussed as one of the big initiatives that's helping to steer NIH and the scientific community more broadly on addressing um, health among diverse populations, including the LGBT community. So definitely um, another great development, I think, that without a diverse scientific and medical workforce who are helping to serve communities um, such as LGBT folks, uh, both in terms of services that they're providing and research that they're conducting, you know, the the research is never going to be as inclusive and reflective of our communities if the researchers who are who are participating in this don't represent all of these different communities. So definitely um, another really positive step to see. Our next story looks at evaluating an online chat platform for youth. Prevention Science published a study on QChat Space, which is the online LGBT youth support system led by Centerlink, of which uh, HealthLink, which produces this podcast, um, that's our, our parent organization. 
Um, they found that meeting online was widely accepted by youth who tried it. Reasons for joining the program, including wanting to meet other youth in this online space and needing a safe place to talk. Mental and emotional health was the most desired topic for group chats, with about 44% of uh, participants naming this as their preferred topic. 33% meanwhile were looking for groups um, to meet specifically uh, regarding issues facing gender minority youth, and 28% wanted to receive sexual health education, which of course it'd be great if they were, were getting that in school, but since a lot of youth don't or, or they don't get inclusive education, this is another way to be able to get that. So um, if you're interested in learning more about this, uh, this program, um, which I think is, is great and obviously especially important during the pandemic when in-person options are limited, but really it's it can be so hard for youth, even if they have resources in their area, to be able to get there and get there safely and discreetly. Um, so you can go to cutechatspace.org to learn more um, about this initiative. Next up, some colleges not ideal for LGBT students. USA Today shared a new report finding that 150 colleges and universities were institutions that LGBT students should avoid. Reasons for wanting to avoid these institutions included their track record on LGBT issues generally, um, but also some specific markers, including whether they've sought um, religious exemptions from non-discrimination laws, which would allow them under current uh, law to discriminate against LGBT students, also looking at whether they opposed the Supreme Court's Bostock case um, that extended many non-discrimination laws to include LGBT individuals for the first time. Surprisingly, a lot, or maybe not surprisingly, a lot of uh, colleges and universities actually signed on um, arguing that they should be allowed to discriminate and that non-discrimination laws should exclude LGBT folks. Um, so definitely an interesting list, uh, a sad list, sad that this has to exist, um, but a good resource for, for youth um, who are maybe looking at their options for school and, and may not be aware that uh, the environment uh, could be hostile for them. Now for our next story, State Department issues X marker passport. The Washington Post reported that the U.S. De- uh, Department of State has for the first time issued a passport with a non-binary X marker instead of the, the, the typical M for male or F for female. The department had announced in June during Pride Month that it would begin to issue such markers, um, as well as no longer require medical certification for folks to change between M and F markers, um, or F to M, um, if they are, are transgender. Uh, and the X marker will still not be available for the public in general until 2022, so important to note that. Um, and at that point, it'll be incorporated as an option into passport application forms, so you don't have to jump through any hoops um, if you're signing up for your passport for the first time. You know, if you want to change it, you'll have to go through a, a renewal process, but it'll be a standard um, part of the process moving forward. So definitely very exciting. Um, advocates hailed the move as being really important for folks, including intersex, non-binary, transgender, and other sexual and gender minorities who may um, identify as non-binary and want that X marker because um, they don't identify as male or female, or they, they just may want privacy around their gender. Um, sometimes when, when you're changing all your documents, you may have things that don't align between um, you know state and federal, or if you if you have multiple nationalities. So a lot of folks um, who, are, who are part of the LGBTQ community and beyond um, find this to be an attractive option, and it's really great to see this moving forward. Next up, mental health across the lifespan. 
The American Journal of Preventive Medicine published a study finding that suicidal thoughts, plans, and attempts were more common among LGB adults compared to their non-LGBT peers, and that this was um, true across different age groups, races, and ethnicities, which is in keeping with um, previous research on the topic. Interestingly, these mental health issues decreased less over the lifespan for gay and bisexual men than they did for other groups. Uh, basically, you know, so for, for most people, as they, as they get older, um, this issue uh, decreases on, on a population level, but that was less true for gay and bisexual men who, for whom these issues persisted more over time. So that definitely suggests a need for sustained mental health support um, for gay and bisexual men um, as this group ages. Black women also had lower rates of these issues than white men, um, white women, regardless of sexual orientation, um, which is a little um, positive spot, whereas, of course, normally we, we see um, disparities uh, in black communities compared to white folks. Um, so that was another interesting finding uh, from the study. And we're going to travel to the other side of the world for our next story, HPV vaccination among queer Australian men. Frontiers in Public Health published a study examining HPV vaccine uptake among sexual minority men in Australia. Researchers found that slightly less than half, or 47.8%, of eligible patients at a sexual health clinic received their first dose of the three-dose HPV vaccine regimen, but that only two-thirds of that number completed all three doses. They also found that gay men were about uh, twice as likely as bisexual men to complete the three doses, and that men living with HIV were more likely than those who were not. Um, and also um, not on PrEP to receive the full vaccine. So in other words, um, it seems like people who uh, are either um, living with HIV or are on PrEP um, were more likely than, than others to receive the full vaccine, um, which, you know, the, of course, the study didn't necessarily explore why, but lots of reasons, including engagement with the healthcare system that could help uh, to explain this. Next up. Health of LGBT American Indian and Alaska Native Adults NBC News reported on a study finding that LGBT American Indian and Alaska Native Adults face various health disparities compared to their non-LGBT peers, as well as the U.S. population at large. For example, 42% of these LGBT adults um, had been diagnosed with depression, um, which is compared to less than a quarter um, of uh, non-LGBT adults who are American Indian and Alaska Native and um, less than 7% of the overall population. So that's a huge disparity, less than 7% of the total U.S. population compared to 42% of LGBT American Indian and Alaska Native adults. Um, they also reported in this study higher levels of economic insecurity and victim uh, victimization among LGBT American Indian and Alaska Native adults compared to, again, both non-LGBT people in that same um, racial and ethnic group and the overall U.S. population. And in our next story, 9 in 10 LGBT adults are vaccinated. HRC published new research finding that more than 90% of LGBT adults were fully vaccinated against COVID-19, far uh, surpassing the national rate for all adults, with max vaccination sites, in other words, these, um, these big uh, vaccination sites that um, a lot of state governments created, being the most popular way of getting vaccinated in the community. LGBT adults also seem to have been hit harder by the pandemic and to be more in need of vaccination. Um, the study found that 21% of LGBT folks reported they had experienced COVID-19-related illness during the pandemic compared to 14% of adults nationally. So our community has been harder hit, 
but also taking the, re- the responsibility and finding the resources to go out there and get vaccinated. So kind of, you know, some, some bad news that we've known for a while, but also some positive news there. Next up, legal case grows for equal fertility treatment. Reuters reported on a case filed by sexual minority women in New York against the insurance company Aetna. They say that the company is discriminating against LGBT patients because fertility benefits are far more difficult for same-sex couples to access. Um, Same-sex couples have to pay for up to a year of um, artificial insemination out of pocket um, before benefits kick in. The new lawsuit joins one that was filed earlier this year by students who also say that the plan's policies violate New York's anti-discrimination laws. And in our final story of the week, BBC accused of transphobic reporting. Pink News reported on a growing controversy in the UK where the BBC ran a story about cisgender lesbian women being preyed upon by trans women seemed to uh, be an attempt to pit the LGBT community against itself, which has a lot of people up in arms. The story exposed the anti-trans elements within the LGBT community, but also the role that the media has um, in reporting on LGBT and especially trans issues responsibly. Many cisgender lesbian women took to social media to shoot down this idea that trans people are predators, um, which some say harkens back to old stereotypes about gay individuals. Well, that concludes another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Don't forget that you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org if you want to see the written version of the Roundup, which includes all of the links to check out these great stories yourself. Please tune in next week for another edition.